Welcome to episode 181 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Why, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, (laughs) if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how you can get two free wild-caught lobster tails and two free grass-fed, grass-finished filet mignons for free. So we are huge fans around here of ButcherBox. They make it easy to get high-quality, humanely raised meat that you can trust shipped straight to your door. I hardcore research their practices. You guys know I do my research and what they're doing is incredible. Their beef is 100% grass-fed and grass-finished. Their chicken is free-range and organic. Their pork is heritage breed. And super importantly, they are all about caring for the lives of both their animals and the livelihoods of their farmers, treating our planet with respect and allowing us to enjoy better meals together. By cutting out the middleman of the grocery store and working directly with farmers, to ship directly to the consumer, they're making it actually affordable to get this amazing high quality meat, which has helped supporting the future of our planet. They have boxes that can fit every single need. So if you want more steak or more seafood or more chicken, it's all there. And those meals come frozen for freshness, packed in an eco-friendly, 100% recyclable box. Their cattle are all 100% grass-fed, roaming on pasture with room to graze. Their chickens are raised humanely, no cages, crates, or crowding, and using controlled atmosphere stunning practices to minimize stress in the animals. They uphold the strictest of standards in the seafood industry, which as I found out, Really crazy things go down in the seafood industry. It's kind of shocking. If you want to learn more about that, check out my blog post about it at melanieavalon.com slash butcherbox. And it all just tastes delicious, like life-changing, some of the best steak I have ever had. And ButcherBox has an amazing offer just for our audience. For a limited time, new members can get two lobster tails and two filet mignons completely for free in their first box. Just go to butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast. Again, that's butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast to get two free lobster tails and filet mignons in your first box. And by the way, definitely get on it now. They recently reopened up the waitlist, so you definitely want to take advantage of this offer just in case they go back to a waitlist again. And one more announcement before we jump back in. Are you fasting clean inside and out? Okay, here's the thing. You might be fasting clean, drinking water, drinking your black coffee, but did you know you might still be putting compounds directly into your body, which are messing with your hormones and making you less likely to burn fat? The average man uses around six skincare products per day. The average female uses around 12. And conventional skincare makeup in the US is full of things called endocrine disruptors. These are compounds which mess with our hormones, and these include obesogens, which can actually make our body store fat 
It's honestly shocking. Europe has banned thousands of these compounds for their toxic nature, including carcinogens as well, and the US has banned less than 10. Thankfully, there's an easy solution. There's a company called Beauty Counter, and they were founded on a mission to create safe skincare that protects and nourishes your skin and is free of endocrine disruptors. Jen and I adore them. They are game changers. They have skincare lines to meet all of your different needs. They've got amazing shampoo and conditioner, sunscreen, an overnight peel, vitamin C serums, and so much more. You can shop with us at melanieavalon.com slash beauty counter. And if you use that link, something really special and magical might happen after you place your first order. If you'd like to learn more about beauty counter and get free discounts and special things for me, definitely get on my clean beauty email list. That's at melanieavalon.com slash clean beauty. And lastly, if you'd like to take a quiz to find your perfect products, I created those at melanieavalon.com slash beauty counter quiz. All right, now enjoy the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 181 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? I am fabulous. I am just immersed in all sorts of amazing data and learning about myself. Would you like to elaborate? I would. <laughs> Melanie knows because she knows what I'm doing. But for readers of Fast, Feast, Repeat, and even readers of Feast Without Fear, you know, I've been talking about personalized nutrition ever since I first saw that famous TED Talk that I talk about with Dr. Aaron Segal. I saw it first in 2017, and it literally changed my life to understand that we all have personalized responses to foods. And, you know, some of it's based on our, our genetic background, but a lot of it is, you know, our gut microbiome and really just our hormonal health in general. In Fast Feast Repeat, I talked about the work that Tim Spector is doing. He's my favorite gut microbiome researcher from the UK. And he had a study called the PREDICT study and then the PREDICT2 study, which some of my friends did a year ago. And I am now participating in the third round of this, PREDICT3. It's with an app called Zoe, and he's one of the collaborators with it. But as part of the study, for the past seven days, I've been wearing a continuous blood glucose monitor that they sent me, and I have to send it back, which is so sad, because man, is it eye-opening to see how my body responds to different foods with my my blood glucose. So I can see, you know, what it's doing all during the day, all during the night, how it goes up, how it goes down, how it responds to foods. I'm so happy to report that I'm not surprised. The foods that I thought that worked well for me, guess what? They work well. They do. So are you eating some of their stuff and your stuff? Well, I had to do that for two days. There were two days where I had to start the day eating these muffins that they sent me. Oh, my Lord. Okay, yuck. <laughs> For listeners, we wanted to record the podcast earlier, but Jim was like, I can't record a podcast after eating the muffin. <laughs> I was right. I mean, I was predicting that. It was before I had even eaten the muffins, but I had a feeling because I had to eat them in the morning. Because see, you couldn't have anything before the muffins except water. You know, I'll wake up in the morning and drink black coffee. So I had to eat the muffins and then wait four hours and then eat the muff. Uh, they were actually different muffins and then wait two hours and then I could, you know, have real food. The first day of that, I opened at 8 a.m. and I never eat at 8 a.m., even on vacation. You know, if I'm going to have breakfast, we usually end up doing more of a brunch. So I can't think of the last time I've had food at 8 a.m., but I had to eat, I think it was three muffins. 
that had been frozen, and then I microwaved them. And the first round of muffins, I think they're testing fat clearance, like how quickly your body clears out fat after you eat a high-fat meal. These were high-fat muffins. They were high-fat because you could tell by reading the the ingredients list, you would not have probably eaten these muffins, Mel. <laughs> I was going to say, this is not a Melanie study. <laughs> no, you probably wouldn't have eaten the muffins, but the first ingredient was like safflower oil or something. Oh, gosh. I know, I know, I know. But I, I ate the muffins, and then I was so crabby for those three hours because they weren't satisfying at all. You know, if I could have put some butter on there or some... Strawberry jam, but no, I had to. They tasted like a mix between a cornbread muffin and pound cake, but with less flavor. So then, the the second set of muffins, they were like gluten free ish. I don't know, low fat muffins. But my my blood glucose responded great to both sets of muffins, and I had to do this blood test where I had to like squeeze out all this blood onto this card and send it off to be. Anyway, they're gonna test the. I think my fat clearance, because you had to do it a certain number of hours after that, and it gives you a lot of information. But, oh, I also had to send in a a poop sample. Oh, that's right up my alley. Yeah, so that was interesting. It was a little more hardcore than the one I did for the American Gut Project. I won't go into details, but it was interesting, let's just say. And then I took them all to the post office and mailed them in. That was also fun. This guy behind me is like, what's on your arm? It was my continuous blood glucose monitor. And, you know, and I, I thought that was a very bold question to ask a stranger at the post office, but I explained it. But I should have said, and this is poop in this box, but I didn't. <laughs> is putting it on hard? It was actually so very easy. It has the, I was scared, but I did it. You stick it to the back of your arm and you just, it's in this little thing and you just go click and then it just pops in. It was easier than the finger stick. Okay. I have two brands of CGM I'm vetting right now, and I haven't done either one yet. Well, this information is just so important, I think, because it's it showed me, like I had one meal that I've eaten so far that did not work very well for me. It was the only one, and it was a flatbread topped with like a, a lemon ricotta and then sauteed Brussels sprouts and then like Parmesan cheese and then a hot honey. That one shot my blood glucose up higher than anything has so far, probably the honey. But when I've eaten potatoes, when I've eaten rice, even, you know, toast with egg on top, I have a very slow, steady rise and then a slow, steady back down. You know, I think that flatbread didn't have a lot of fat with it. I mean, it had some fat, but I I probably normally have more fat with my carbs. So it just kind of spiked me right up. It's fascinating. So fascinating. But I feel like this is what's so sad to me. These monitors are by prescription only. And the only way to get a prescription from your doctor, you know, for most people or for insurance to pay for it, is for you to already be really sick. But for somebody who's healthy, this can help you know what is leading you to a healthier, you know, profile for yourself. So it seems to me like they would want to put these in the hands of people who are healthy as a preventative measure. I guess that's not the place we are right now yet, but I think this is one of the most exciting preventative tools ever, you know, understanding how your body responds to things. Like, for example, one day I had, you know, my normal snack, and then I had some coconut water. My blood glucose went up pretty high after the coconut water based on what I had prior to that, whereas another day when I had a snack weighted 
a couple hours, then had the coconut water, I had a very mild increase. Well, you know the problem with using this as preventative. Well, I don't know the problem of that. No, what is that? Because we would eradicate a lot of the need for the medical system if we switched to being preventative. I don't think that they're all just back there with their nefarious plan to keep us hooked on the medical system. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't think they are. I think that they want want us to be healthy. They want to help us. I mean, maybe, you know, big pharma. Okay. But, you know, the doctors want us to be better. They want us to be healthy. Yeah, I meant more big pharma. Yeah, like implementation of policy into everything. Well, okay. Policy is a whole different ball of wax, but it's it's really sad that I'm going to have to send it back. And, you know, it's not a toy. It's not a plaything. It's not, oh, this is fun. It's like, wow, this is powerful data that is teaching me so many important things. Yeah, I love it. I'm I'm excited to try mine. I was going to do it earlier, but then as Jen knows, I got surgery. Fix my deviated septum to breathe better. Listeners, Jen was right. (laughs) Jen was right. Let's just say that. Jen was right. I was like, I'll be fine. And Jen was like, it's going to be really awful. (laughs) (laughs) I was right. And it was really awful. I knew it would be. It was so terrible. I basically just stayed on the couch and watched Disney movies. Like all of the live action versions of all the, the Disney movies. Like Aladdin and Mulan, which, spoiler alert... The new live-action Mulan does not have singing. Oh, that's interesting. It's very upsetting. I would probably like it better. Probably you would. (laughs) I was like, that sounds cool. I might watch it. Oh, it was like really, really tragic. But no, I would go to get the mail and I was like done for the day. Yeah. Yeah. Any Anything like that, you know? I just felt like I was dying. And actually, so I had to like reevaluate. I was like, okay, what tools do I have to like support my, you know, health? (laughs) getting back, um, recovering. And because I can't do my sauna, can't do exercise. Like, I think that's the worst is like knowing you can't lift heavy things. Like that's what I thrive on is lifting and I can't get my heart rate up. So I couldn't do like my cold showers, can't do my sauna, can't, couldn't breathe. So can't do my breathing. <laughs> I was like, I have nothing. It stopped taking NMN and NR, the, the precursors to NAD. I started taking that again because we talked about Elysium, I think before on this show. Right. Okay, it could have been a coincidence, but when I started taking that, I started feeling a lot better. Well, that's good. I don't know if it just happened to be a timeline like coincidence that that's how it lined up. I'm taking it for life. I'm not stopping (laughs) this time. For listeners, I'll put links to all of that in the show notes. But that's that. Well, I'm glad that you're that you're on the mend. So you're feeling feeling like yourself again. Getting there. Getting there. Excited to breathe because breathing is everything. Yeah, it is. I had my adenoids taken out in, gosh, 1991. I was 21, I guess, when I had the surgery done. And I remember it being terrible. Because that's on your nose, too. Was that in your nose? It's between your nose and your tonsils. Oh, okay. I was just doing a lot of contemplations about anesthesia. It's so weird. Yeah, I hate anesthesia. Hate it. And then I started having memories that, like, I'm not sure if they're real memories. Like I thought like I blacked out or I thought I like stopped remembering things at a certain point, but then I started remembering things like from the OR room, like before the surgery that I hadn't remembered for. And I was like, wait, so if I like think about this enough, will I like remember everything? Uh, 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 I don't want to. (laughs) It's very, very scary. In any case. Well, hooray for breathing. That's good. I know. 
Shall we jump into everything for today? Yes, let's get started. All right. So to start things off, we have a follow-up email from Bronwyn, who wrote into the show before. And the subject is thank you. And Bronwyn says, hi, Jen and Melanie. Thank you so much for answering my question in episode 174. Every time I listen and hear you say hello to me, Jen, I grin from ear to ear and say hello back out loud. Hello. I'm glad you both like my name. It's Scottish. She says her mother spent two years in the UK in the late 60s before she got married. She says, I loved your air conditioner thermostat analogy, Jen. And that, for listeners, that was about the, um, I think about the... Her weight set point. Oh, right. It was about how your body tries to keep you at a certain weight set point. That's what I think. Yeah. So she says, however, I, I already know my air conditioner slash body is broken and I need to find the answer to healing before it can adjust to match the thermostat. What I really wanted to know is the mechanism of how it manages to not lose weight. Melanie, you covered it. And I guess for me, the likely answer is I'm making glucose from protein after I run out of fuel from each previous meal. Just really quickly to that, I'm not necessarily saying that, I guess, I don't know. I don't know if like the reason you're not losing weight is because you're making glucose from protein. But basically what we talked about is you can be fasted or seemingly you think you'd be burning fat, but actually the liver's upregulating gluconeogenesis and producing blood sugar from protein. A lot of things can go on in your body. She says, thank you so much for taking so much time to discuss the possible ways forward. It took a weight off me that you thought more or longer fasting was not the answer. I don't enjoy ADF at the moment. It may interest you, Melanie, to know that I came to IF from seven years of a diet called Trim Healthy Mama. Have you heard of that, Jen? You know, I have heard of it just because I've, you know, been in these groups for for so many years. But here's what's so cool. I didn't have to do that one because I was already doing intermittent fasting when it got really popular. So if it had come out earlier, I'm sure I would have done it. Probably would have done it. Yeah. But because it came out, you know, I'd, I'd never heard of it until after I did intermittent fasting. So I never had to try it. It's nice. Although the concept she talks about is something I personally apply because she says, which is based on separating fuels, fat, and carbs into different meals. I listened several times to your interview with Cyrus and Robbie, and it's so very interesting. I recognize that the ideal would be to pick a fuel and stick with it. I have not eaten poofas since I started it. Can I hop in? Oh, go ahead. I just wanted to say, I think this is where it's so important to know your body. I haven't tested a meal that's completely carbs with no fat yet, because even the one yesterday that caused my blood glucose to go up so much higher had less fat, but it still had some fat. But I do plan to try a meal that's it's even more carbs than than that, just to see what that does too. But for me, when I have you know, the meals that I've been testing that I've done so well with have plenty of carbs and plenty of fat. So I think for me, having the fat and carbs together, you know, I've always said that that works really well for me, but it's it's showing up also in, in the way my blood glucose is responding. Yeah, I think it's definitely really individual. I feel like, Jen, you just have epic, <laughs> epic, like, metabolism, blood sugar control, processing of fuels. If I went in there right now after we finish recording, I have these pretzels with, you know, like, I don't know, this cinnamon sugar yogurt coating on there that someone sent me. If I went in and just ate those on an empty stomach, I'm pretty sure that's, you know, mostly carbs. It's very sugary. Very, I'm pretty sure my blood glucose would spike up really fast and crash back down. I'm probably not going to do that because <laughs> I don't like the way it feels. But 
I just naturally gravitate towards. Like I wouldn't go and just eat like a bunch of crackers by themselves. I would put cheese with them because I know that I feel better when I do that. Like I don't feel well, like if I just had a cookie, for example. I just know that the fat really helps my body process the carbs. People know. If you if you know that when you eat something, you feel terrible after you eat it, there's something going on in your body that is telling you that. Yeah, 100%. Anyway, I just had to pop that in there. You were going to say something about that too? Well, yeah, we're all individual. Like for me, I really benefit from separating the fats versus the carbs. And I'm just going to say, she said she hasn't eaten PUFAs, which are polyunsaturated fats since she started it. I interviewed Kate Shanahan, Jen. So she wrote Deep Nutrition, which was a book that both Jen and I read and really, really, really appreciated. But she wrote a new book called Fat Burn Fix that I talked about, I think at length on this show, but it's really all about polyunsaturated fats. So I think when this comes out, that episode might be out. So I will put a link to it in the show notes, but she was, she was really great. Her focus in college was like fatty acid metabolism. I was like, oh my goodness, that's like what I'm obsessed with. So, yep. Anyways, back to Bronwyn's. She says, after a lifetime of dieting, I'm not sure whether I'm ready to go back to that. Jen, thank you for the freedom of IF. But Melanie, I recognize that you are the type of person who enjoys control over what you eat, and that's great. I have to log everything that I'm eating in the Zoe app for this study, and it is making me die. <laughs> like having to log it, and then like I, I put some triscuits on my plate and I was going to eat them and I was like I have to count them and then it was like there were nine and then I had to put in the serving size but the box the serving size was six and so I had to put in either one serving or two and I couldn't figure so I was like I just ate three more (laughs) but I was like this is crazy I just I hate 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 to log even even though I'm eating what I want having to write it down is just making me go crazy anyway but it's data I'm learning yeah, I want to address that because I don't like logging or, or all of that. Like my aspect of control, because I found that interesting that she said that because I do wonder how I come across. Like, so hearing that is interesting. I just like having control over my particular, I think I'm just more selective in what I eat because of how, how my body. Yeah, I was going to use the word choosy, choosy with ingredients. Like you would not have eaten those muffins. You would have been like, I'm sorry, I can't participate in this study. <laughs> where I like ate them and was crabby about it all day, but did it. That was one thing I loved. I did interview Wim Hof as well. And he has a whole thing about control. And he's talking about how like, at least when it comes to our mind, like having control over our mind is actually the ultimate freedom because when you control your mind, that is freedom. And I thought that was a nice paradigm shift. Back to her email. She says, at the same time that episode aired, I also got the results of blood tests with the doctor I finally found who would do proper thyroid testing. My thyroid function is healthy. Go figure. But she said it did show that she was low in progesterone. She started taking that. She's planning on giving herself a month or so on progesterone before making any changes. But after that, she says, if I'm still stalled, I would like to try to concentrate more on separating fuels for a while. As I said, I simply can't face picking one and sticking with it forever. But Melanie, a brief question for you. Would it be enough to separate them by full days, i.e. one day fat-based, the next carb-based? Or do I have to man up and pick one to stick with until I get to the goal or break the stall, but not forever? So the concept of not combining fuels because of having efficient metabolism of that meal because what we're referring to is basically there's something called the randall cycle which is carbs and fat and they compete basically like if you have both at the same time it's it's not super efficient especially for people who struggle to 
have metabolic flexibility and, you know, handle different types of macronutrients. And then there's also the potential issues of carbs and fat competing or messing up insulin receptors. So I think, and I'm just like hypothesizing or theorizing, but I think as long as like the last meal has cleared, like Jen was talking about that meal with a muffin or that muffin maybe potentially be testing how long it takes like fat clearance from the blood. I think that would probably be an indicator of like how long in between you need to go. I think probably like switching back and forth between days is totally fine. It's more, and some people do this, but if this is really what you're trying to look at and you want to switch between like low carb, high fat and high fat, low carb, I would separate them by days. I wouldn't do like, you know, the morning one and then the evening another. I would probably separate by days. And then she wants to know like, should you go longer until she breaks the plateau? Honestly, I think just you just have to try different things. So maybe you could try a week where you do switch back and forth or, you know, on different days or like maybe you feel intuitive about it. Like, oh, today I feel like I want it to be a high carb, low fat day compared to a low carb, high fat day. Did I say that right? You guys know what I'm saying. Or you could try sticking one out. It's really going to have to just be self-experimentation. Last thing she says is something interesting happened since her previous email. I had thousands of dollars worth of horse gear stolen from my tax shed and it was very stressful. I immediately went from ADF to barely managing 16.8. I've gradually worked back to 24 now, but I was 16.8 or 17.7 for a few weeks and I was sure that I would gain weight, but I only gained up to the top of the three kilogram range that I've been in since December. Then I dropped back to the middle of that range where I'm sitting now. So my statement that I gained without ADF appears to be wrong, or maybe some healing has happened. And then she says, thanks again for your comprehensive answer to my question. Yeah. So two little things we could talk about in there is when people have stressful events and then feeling the need to, you know, lengthen their eating window. Nothing wrong with that. Do you have thoughts about that? It's true. We do hear that, you know, right now, A lot of the group members who live in the Western United States are having a very stressful time with the fires and having to evacuate. And so we've had a number of posts of people who are just, you know, overwhelmed from the stress of it. And some of them are like, I've leaned into my fasting practice and that has helped me deal with the stress. Whereas some others are saying, I've had to just relax my fasting time because that's helping me. Neither is wrong. It's all about just what your body and how how you can deal with that that stress of the moment. Yeah, 100%. I think a lot of people probably experience that as well, where like the more you've been doing intermittent fasting, you may find that when it changes or you, you know, lengthen the window and then you come back to it, the more you've worked the muscle, it can be easier to, you know, jump back in and see results potentially faster. Your body doesn't have to start from day one all over again. I mean, maybe if you stopped for years, you know, but not if it's just a matter of days, weeks, even months. One thing I think we talked about with Dr. Kate on that episode was she was talking about fasting because we've talked so much about how the body can, you know, hormonally adapt and it can do all it wants to, you know, shut down fat burning or try to, you know, maintain a certain body weight. But fasting is sort of the one approach where even if it does try to make counter regulatory mechanisms, to stop weight loss. It's like the one thing where you it really does force your body to tap into things, you know? Like as long as you're still I feel like eating throughout the day, your body can just kind of wait for the next thing. That's true. 
slow it down a little, you know? (laughs) That's how I felt that day that I was eating those muffins. I felt like somebody who was on a typical calorie-controlled, low-calorie day where you, like, have your little crazy low-calorie breakfast and then you have to wait and eat your crazy low-calorie lunch muffins. I mean, oh, my Lord. I was like, I'm really hungry because there's never a time, thanks to intermittent fasting, there's never a time where I'm starving and not allowed to eat, ever, ever. I just go through the fast every day. If I felt super starving on one day, I would just go ahead and eat, but I don't. But if I did, I would, but I I couldn't. It was so crazy. It really harkened back to those diet days where I was following a rule, and I could not eat because I was following the directions of the study. That sounds really miserable. It was eye-opening. I followed my husband around and talked to him a lot that day. (laughs) I think he ran out the door back to work. But I was like, I'm so hangry. This is just like being on a diet. It reminds me, but it helped me remember, thank goodness, I never have to be hungry and not eat again, unless I do another study or something. But it's, it's the freedom of that. Yeah, it's amazing. The day that I ate the most was the day I was the hungriest all day long. So think about that, people. I know. It's the way it is. Yeah. All right. Well, great to hear from you, Bronwyn. I'm glad you're you're tweaking and figuring things out. And sorry about that horrible theft of the horse gear. Ugh. I know. That's really terrible. Speaking from experience with getting things stolen, really, really terrible. Hi, everybody. I want to take a minute to tell you about one of the sponsors for today's show, and that's Audible. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers to celebrity memoirs, news, business, and self-development. Every month, members get one credit to pick any title, two Audible originals from a monthly selection, access to daily news digests, and guided meditation programs. Beyond Audible's normal entertainment and audiobook options, I want to tell you about something special they're offering right now, and that's stories.audible.com. Families with children are facing unusual challenges right now as schools may or may not be opening as normal. Audible launched a special website where anyone, anywhere, can stream hundreds of their titles completely free, no strings attached, for as long as the quarantine lasts. Audible's hope is that stories.audible.com will offer everyone, including parents, educators, and caregivers, anyone helping kids as daily routines are disrupted, a screen-free experience to look forward to each day. You don't need to be an Audible member to access these free stories. To access these free audiobooks and titles, you can simply visit stories.audible.com from your computers, tablets, or smartphones. The experience is completely ad-free and completely anonymous. No need to download an app, sign up, or log in. Just click, stream, and listen. And now, here's a special offer just for our listeners. Visit audible.com slash ifpodcast or text ifpodcast to 500-500. Try Audible for free and get one free audiobook in your first month. Of course, Melanie and I recommend that you choose What Win Wine or Fast Feast Repeat or even Delay Don't Deny. Or you can choose from the thousands of titles available on Audible. 
That's audible.com slash IF podcast. And now back to the show. This one is from Eric, and the subject is ADF and vitamin D. Eric says, I have seen evidence that suggests vitamin D is critical in the fight against COVID-19. With vitamin D being fat-soluble, it is recommended to be taken with meals. I am doing ADF and would like to know what is the best way to supplement vitamin D on my down day. I am currently taking vitamin D with breakfast and dinner on my up days, but don't know if this is the best way. What would you recommend? Thanks for all you do. IF is changing my life. Love you, ladies. Thanks, Eric. All right, Eric. So thanks for your question. So yes, the vitamin D connection, especially to COVID susceptibility and just our immune system is huge, like huge. Having vitamin D levels up seems to be so important. And one of the sad or unfortunate things is that with the quarantine situation, a lot of us are staying even more indoors and getting less outside sun exposure as well. So vitamin D supplementation definitely help. It is fat soluble. I take a brand by Thorne. I think it's in an MCT oil carrier. So I would recommend having it with your breakfast and dinner on your up days. And I would recommend still taking it on your down days. That small amount, I don't see a problem with like breaking fast or whatever. You also definitely want to take the the D3 form, which is in the, the foreign version that I use. So I'll put a link to that. Jen, do you have thoughts? I just read that yesterday, you know, Tim Spector that I was talking about earlier doing the the gut work, the predict studies. He has a new book, Spoon Fed is the name of his new book. And I read his other book, The Diet Myth, years ago. Oh my gosh, funny story, Melanie, by the way. He and I must have read the exact same studies because, and thank goodness, my book came out first because his calories chapter in Spoonfed was like the same exact examples I gave. He talked about the nuts. He talked about the meat. He talked about the cheese sandwich. He didn't go into as much detail about the cheese sandwich as I did, but he talked about the Nova food classification scale. It was fabulous, but his book came out in August, so there's no way I could have copied him. But I know, but I was like, this looks like I plagiarized him, but I did not. But, you know, if you're reading the same studies, I guess it would get you the same information. Anyway, he has a chapter on supplements, and he's a doctor in addition to being a researcher, and he has a great chapter on supplements in that book. And he said he used to always recommend that people take vitamin D supplements, you know, as a, as a physician. But now, after everything he's researched, he believes the best way to get it is just get out in the sun. And I know that some parts of the year you can't, but he said, and he lives in the UK. So he just gets, you know, 15 minutes of sun on his skin and gets his vitamin D like that. So anyway, I just read that yesterday, which is why I'm popping that in there. Just something to consider instead of taking it as a supplement. I'm not going to tell you not to take it as a supplement, but maybe on your down day, just go outside. There's also an app when I had Rob Wolf on that he's obsessed with, and it's called D-Minder, I think. I'll put a link to it. But it, apparently, it so you put in your skin type and your location. And where you live, yeah. Yeah, and it tells you exactly like when to go outside for how long to get the optimal amount of vitamin D absorption. Okay, that... I could live with. That is a fabulous. Okay, I got to find that out. D-Minder. D-Minder. So we'll put a link in the show notes. I just thought it was interesting to see, you know, Tim Spector's analysis because he said that the more he's learned about supplements, the fewer supplements he would ever take or recommend. That's the way I feel, honestly. 
I've done a lot of research on vitamin D supplementation and it's complicated because it's hard to know. A lot of the studies find that people supplementing have potentially worse outcomes, but I think it's because the people supplementing are, they were low. You know, they're not the robust people with the high vitamin D to start with. So it's like really complicated. It's hard to know what is the causative factor there. What did he say? Let me see if I can say what the way he said it. The disease causes the deficiency rather than the deficiency causing the disease. I think that was like something he said like that. Oh, I'm thinking about this a lot. I love that. Yeah. So, but then you measure it and you're like, oh, look, you're deficient and you have this disease. The deficiency caused the disease when really the disease caused the deficiency. You know, it's really interesting. I'm, I'm prepping right now for, I think it's the Caltons. They wrote Rebuild Your Bones. And their theory is that pretty much all disease is from micronutrient deficiency. It's just funny because they they have the ex- exact opposite theory. So they would say that sentence backwards. They would say, I mean, probably do say almost that exact sentence that the, the deficiency causes the disease, not the disease causes the deficiency. Oh. I know. And look, all these people are respected in their field, respected researchers. And, you know, he talks a lot in Spoon Fed about the problem with, with studies and misinterpreting studies and how short they are and how little we really know. And so the, I think that's just important. I mean, and that's what he does. He's a researcher. So, <laughs> you know, finding good studies and really making something that will apply. I don't know. After hearing some stories about studies, now I'm just, it's hard to know. It's hard to know. It really is. It, it really is. And just, you know, one thing I, that I love from him so much is the whole, you know, we're all different. That is just so key. And the more people that, that can start to understand this, the better. You know, there, there is no one best way to eat. And the science is showing that over and over and over and more and more, that you have to take things with a grain of salt, you know, even studies. Where did that phrase come from? Every time I hear that, I wonder where that came from. I don't know. Maybe like the ancient Romans or something, because they used salt for currency. I don't know. I'm just... Made that up. Maybe someone will write in and tell us. Or maybe it's because salt makes things more palatable. Oh, maybe. It does make food delicious. Who knows? That's probably it. (laughs) (laughs) You're probably right. All right. Well, Eric, I don't know if we helped you or not, but I'm going to get that D-minder. That's a great idea. Definitely. Because I I really would rather get it from the sun, just from what I've read. I would, too. I was going to even say I, I should probably be controversial and say tanning bed. Yeah. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) I was waiting for it. (laughs) I know. I'm just going to say it. I do think getting a membership at a tanning place, and I'm being very specific with this, doing just the UVB beds, which are going to be the cheaper beds anyway, and literally going in for like, I'm saying like a minute. Like your goal is not to be tan. Your goal is to get the rays, the the UVB. Yeah. Because I really think vitamin D is huge. Now, you know, when we talked about this early on, like maybe in 2017, and you said that, we got some pretty irate emails from people that were upset. But I guess our listeners now know that if you are suggesting something, you have researched it fully and are not worried about the dangers, (laughs) right? Definitely. Whenever you do a tanning bed, of course, there is the concern or the risk of skin cancer. But I I think in the grand scheme of things in the overall picture, especially during the winter months when we're not getting sun exposure outside, that weighing the cost benefit for a lot of people, I think it's 
probably more beneficial to do like very low dose UVB bed, only going for like a minute doing that. I don't know how often, but I found it was cheaper. You could, like, cause some of the places have like, you know, unlimited monthly, but I found it was actually cheaper, at least where I went, which I think was Palm Beach Tan. You could buy like credits, so like packages. And that was what turned out to be cheapest. Hi, everybody. I want to take a minute to talk about enzymes. Enzymes are the workhorses of digestion. They break your food down into usable macro and micronutrients. Many of us may lack digestive enzymes, and that leads to digestive issues like bloating, indigestion, and gas. You're not what you eat. You're what you digest. We lose enzymes as we age, so if you don't have enough enzymes, you might only be absorbing 40% of the foods you are eating. There are two big problems here. Most digestive enzymes are cheap and ineffective, and most do not have enough protease for digesting healthy, high-protein diets. That's why I'm so excited to tell you about a new enzyme product called Masszymes. Masszymes is the most complete, most potent digestive enzyme around, with over 102% more protease than the nearest competitor, and 300 to 500% more per serving than most popular brands. That's crucial, because protein is the most complex macronutrient to break down. Left undigested, protein creates a variety of problems in the gut, from bloating to inflammation and beyond. The Intermittent Fasting Podcast is excited to announce a special offer just for our listeners. We guarantee it's the best deal available on this product. With volume discounts combined with our custom 10% coupon code, IFPODCAST10, you can save up to 48% off select packages of Masszymes. That's an amazing value. This special deal is only available if you go to www.buyoptimizers.com slash ifpodcast. You won't find that deal on Amazon or even the company's own website. This deal is exclusively for podcast listeners, and it's legitimately for a limited time while supplies last. The best part is if you don't feel how Masszymes transforms your digestion, you can get a no-questions-asked money-back return on your order. For the fastest shipping, go to buyoptimizers.com slash ifpodcast and use coupon code ifpodcast10 to save up to 48% on Masszymes. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com slash IF podcast. And now back to the show. Shall we go on to the next question? Yes, let's go on to the next one. All right. So the next question comes from Mandy. The subject is food choices. And Mandy says, I love your show and I find it so helpful. I can't stop listening and I just learn something new and intriguing each time I listen. So thank you both for all the time and research you do and helping all of us who are on this journey to a better, healthier me. She says, I have been IFing since January 1st, 2020. Just thinking about January 1st, 2020. Who knew that 2020 was going to be what it is. She says, I have nobody. I know. She says, I have no doubt this is the health plan. I won't say diet that I feel is the way of life for me and what I know will be best for me long term. I started out doing 16, eight and eventually 
to 18.6. For about a two-week period, I was doing 24, and I did one 24-hour fast. I had a couple setbacks around Easter, and again after my husband and I returned from vacation in July. So now I typically do 18 to 19 hours fasting with a five to seven hour eating window. I do 16.8 on the weekends. I have not lost much weight in nine months. I am fluctuating between five pounds. I admit I haven't been doing pictures routinely or measuring, but when I did last, I had lost inches. I lose the five pounds and then I gain it back, usually because of a date night splurge with my husband each week. She says, my question is this. I feel like I am obsessing about what to eat all the time. I am constantly thinking about what should I open my window with? What should I make for dinner? I would love to open my window with the same type of thing daily to keep it simple for me when I am at work. I'm a nurse practitioner and I don't really have time to think about food when I'm at work, but I find myself doing it anyway. I also work all kinds of shifts, which makes it a little difficult to be consistent. When it's time to open my window, I'm ready to eat anything and everything. I also have the influences of people wanting to eat out when I am at work. Then when I need to eat dinner with my family, it's like I'm too full to eat the big meal we desire during this time, resulting in most likely me overeating in my window. I would love to eat cleaner, so I am trying to do that. I also recently submitted a food sensitivity test, and I'm waiting for results on that, which I know will help determine what causes me inflammation. How do I stop obsessing about what I should be eating each day? What are the best things to open my window with so I feel satisfied, but I'm not ruining my meal later? Examples of what I've been doing in the past, avocado toast on a low-carb tortilla with bagel seasoning and cheese, and Diet Energy V8, which has two grams of carbs, spicy bean veggie burger and butternut squash spirals or rice cauliflower, crackers slash cheese and veggies. I snack on nuts, cheese, or have an apple, but often cave to the junk snacks everywhere in my office that is not supplied by me, which are constantly in my face. Can you give any advice as to where to start? I know everyone is different and you can't tell what my body wants. We just talked about that. She says, but I just want to stop thinking about food so much and stressing about what to eat. Thanks in advance and sorry for the long email question. I loved this question. So Jen, what are your thoughts? Well, it sounds like to me that the approach that you're doing right now is a great maintenance protocol for your body because that's what's happening. You're not losing weight. You're fluctuating between those five pounds up and down. And you're having, you know, pretty flexible weekends with 16-8. I can tell you that if I did 16-8 every weekend when I was trying to lose weight, I would not have lost weight because I needed shorter eating windows. And I know the not fun part is that when your goal is weight loss, you do need to to be more mindful even on the weekends. You know, I talked about that in Delayed on Deny. Saturday is not a special occasion because it happens every week because that was always my biggest stumbling block until I finally was like, okay, I've got to, you know, crack down on this to lose the weight. So I needed a tighter window to lose weight. And it sounds like, To me, Mandy, that might be true for you as well. You mentioned that your shifts are different all the time and that your struggle seems to be at work. So I don't really know if this is feasible or not because I don't know how long your work shifts are. But when I was a teacher, I was at school for eight hours. Most days, eight hours, some days longer. If we had a faculty meeting, I could be there for 10 hours. Or if we had, you know, a special event after school. I did not eat until I got home from work. I just didn't. Because you're exactly right, Mandy. I am pretty sure probably the food that you have around you is the same kind of food that I had around me as a teacher. 
in the teacher's workroom. Not good stuff, just junk food all around. People would bring in treats. We would have sweet treat day where people would bring in donuts. I mean, it was just all over the place. And it was also very unusual for us to get to go out to lunch. That was only on like a teacher work day. So that was not really something I had as a challenge. But it was so much easier. I didn't take food with me. I didn't eat what was there unless it was a very special occasion and the food had to be worth it. But I just didn't eat at work. And I would go to work. I worked my eight hours, my 10 hours if it was a faculty meeting day, and then I came home, and then I opened my window, and I ate. And it was just so easy. And then on the weekend, I, you know, would probably have a five-hour window or so, you know, open in the earlier afternoon, and then have a good dinner later. You know, I still, if I were trying to lose weight, two full meals on a Saturday and a Sunday would not have done it for me. I would have been weight-stable doing that. When you get to maintenance, you can be more flexible, but you got to tap into those fat stores and have some reason to burn them. So if you haven't read Fast Feast Repeat yet, I would read that and I would focus on the feast section and, you know, think about also there's a intermittent fasting toolbox chapter that could really help you and then tweak it till it's easy. And you just really want to find what you need to do to get that weight to start coming off. And so what you're doing now isn't really it. I think that would be where I would start. You know, you're very focused on what to eat, what to eat, what to eat. And I used to be like that too, thinking that if I could just find the magical foods, that would be the key. And I've realized, yes, food is important, but I never lost weight on the magical foods. It was always on, you know, more of the win. Real food, yes. Now, I will say, choosing real food over the junky food, that's huge. But overstressing on whether it's rice, cauliflower, or, you know, nuts. I would do less stressing about that. Eliminating the junk snacks, yes, eating real food, real food that is delicious. I don't even know how much she's stressed about trying to lose weight as much as like her just obsession about thinking about food all the time and like what to eat. Well, she did say she hasn't lost much weight in nine months and she's fluctuating between five pounds. So I think that that is part of her struggle. Yeah. Well, she said she lost inches, but that she gains back and forth this five pounds because of date nights. She feels like she's obsessing about what to eat all the time. And it's like, what should I open my window with? What should I make for dinner? So I'm glad you said that, Jen, about how when you were a teacher, you just, you know, didn't eat like while you were working. Because that's what I was going to suggest, Mandy, is it actually feels to me like, and this kind of goes back to what Brahman was saying about the control aspect. But often when we're in a sort of nebulous gray zone, And it depends on your personality type, but for a lot of people, if they are in a sort of a nebulous gray zone about what they are or aren't eating, it just leads to a lot of stressing about what to eat, like decision fatigue, because you don't have like a clear boundary about anything that you can just stick to. So I would suggest trying to actually come up with some more rules that you can stick to surrounding everything and and know that you can change the rules. So you can try different things, but maybe coming up with more black and white rules about everything and then not breaking them. So I'm going to, I'm not saying you're binging and I wish this book wasn't called this, but in the book, Never Binge Again by Glenn Livingston, he talks a lot about this and about the importance of just coming up with like a plan and sticking to it and then not listening to that voice in the head that's trying to do different things or, you know, convince you to, she talks about caving to junk snacks in the office everywhere. Like for that, 
you just make a rule that you're not going to eat the junk snacks. So it's not like, and I know that sounds like really simple, but if you want to really try to make this work and not have this issue of feeling like you are constantly being controlled by the... (laughs) by these questions of what to eat and should I eat this or should I not eat this? So coming up with like some rules, like you're not going to eat the snacks at work. You're just not, you're not, it's not an option. And then I do like the idea of tightening up the window. So you're talking about like opening with these different snacks. You're trying to find snacks that you can open with, but then also still eat your hearty meal later. I will say for me, we're all different. And she even says we're all different, but eating things like nuts or avocado or stuff like that. If I were to eat that as like a snack, I would be way less hungry later. So if if you do want to still have some sort of snack, but still be hungry later, I would suggest thinking more about that and maybe doing things like not cheese, not nuts, not stuff like that, doing more just maybe vegetables or fruits or something like that. And can I pop in that that some people actually find that to the point that you just made, they can't open with a snack and then have a meal later. They do better to just open with their meal you open with a meal and then have a snack later. So, you know, even though you want to eat dinner with your family and you're you're too full to eat the big meal then, maybe consider the meal with your family as the snack time and that you're only going to just have a little bit. You're still eating together. You're just having a smaller portion. Like just because it's a big meal, you don't have to eat the big meal. You can have some of the big meal. So if she does that, are you saying she still has another meal? I'm saying open with your meal. Open with a meal. You know, whatever time you open, instead of trying to open with a snack and then have a big meal later, open with a big meal and then have something more snackish later. But you can sit down with your family and whatever they're eating as that dinner can be your snack. Does that make sense? Like, let's say you've made, you know, I don't know, chili. You're having chili and baked potatoes with the family. I just made that up. That doesn't sound like what she would eat, but I would. (laughs) Chili and baked potatoes back in the day when I was cooking for my family. Just have, you know a little bit of potato and a small serving of chili because you've already eaten your large meal earlier. Some people need to open with their large meal and then have a snack later if they're still hungry. Does that make sense? It does. Like, and alternatively, could she try to cut the snack and just make the meal with the family the big meal? Totally. She totally could. Yeah. I was a little bit unclear about the avocado and all that stuff, but it sounds like she's talking about that being snacks and And like what she's taken to work. It sounds like she's taken that to work, to have it at work. I don't know. It's hard to tell. Yeah. I think she's opening her window at work. Oh, she does say a snack on nuts, cheese, or have an apple, often caved to junk snacks. If I tried to have a little tiny snack at work, I would probably then be starving and caving and eating the junk snacks too. That's why it was so much easier just to not eat at work. Like, Like with the muffins the other day. I had eaten those muffins. I'm like, now I need to eat some food, but I couldn't. It's hard to stop with a little bit. Yeah, it really is. I know it sounds like really nebulous of like to stop obsessing, just making rules and stop obsessing, but it can be pretty freeing for a lot of people. And like I said, you can change it around. So like you can try, you can come up with like one plan you want to follow and then try it and then don't think about it and just do the plan. And then if it doesn't work, come up with a new plan. Yep, exactly. Tweak it till it's easy. And then when you find yourself thinking about it, because the good thing about having the rules is... If your brain's like, huh, you know, should I do something else? No, because you already made the plan and you're seeing if it works. So then you like learn to like not engage with this constant back and forth in your head of what you should or should not be doing. You just do it, evaluate if it worked or didn't work, and then, you know, keep doing it or adjust the plan. 
that's how my mind works completely. I guess we're all different with that. But, you know, the month that I had completely alcohol-free recently, I didn't wrestle every night with, should I have a glass of wine with dinner or not? I was like, nope, I'm not having any wine. It was super easy. I didn't have to think about it. Whereas in all the months of 2020, every night I was like, should I have wine or should I not have wine? I don't know. I want to drink less. Oh, And it was always a struggle. But then once I flipped that switch, I'm not having wine. I'm not having alcohol. It was like, bloop, okay, easy decision made. And I didn't even have to worry about it or think about it or want it. I wasn't craving it. It's so much easier. And and I think people are hesitant to do it because it sounds like, oh, you're being controlling or, you know, not being intuitive, but it can really, having that approach to life can, can be really freeing. And like I said, you can always change it to clarify about that. You're not going to change it that day because that would be going back to like questioning it. It's like, so you would make the plan and you stick to it for, you know, however long the days it is and then you can reevaluate. Melanie, on the other hand, is back to alcohol. <laughs> And loving it. I did have alcohol last night because I wanted to test it with my blood glucose meter. How did it affect things? It didn't seem to affect it a lot at the time, but all morning today, I had higher blood glucose than I've been having. Like I had really high blood glucose in the fasted state versus I don't usually. And I also slept so terribly last night. I woke up at like 2 a.m. and I was awake all night after that. Because I, you know, I was really doing some science, so I wanted to make sure I had enough, right? So in the middle of the night, I was like, yeah, this is not working for me. It's so funny because we're complete opposites. Like I, I really intuitively, when I'm drinking wine, I feel like my blood sugar control, my glycemic control is so much better. It's so interesting. Yeah, it really is. And you're probably right. Yeah, for me. Yeah, for you. Yeah, exactly. But for me, no. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. So a few things for listeners before we go. If you'd like to submit your own questions to the podcast, you can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. You can find all of these stuff that we like at ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like. You can get these show notes for today's episode. Those are at ifpodcast.com slash episode 181. You can follow us on Instagram. We are ifpodcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, Jen is Jen Stevens. Speaking of Jen, I just realized on Facebook, I can be like doing my Instagram from Facebook. Did you know this? And it's so much easier than on Instagram. What? Because you know how Facebook changed? Like it just recently changed? Yeah. And like everything's everywhere. I don't know where anything is. I'm so confused. I feel like I'm lost. I feel like I'm like a lost child in the mall. I'm like, wait. See, I rarely use Facebook on the desktop unless something's broken on the phone. I'm usually on the phone. So the only time I do it on the computer is if something's broken on the phone. Well, it's really confusing. Like I get so lost. Like I think I'm in one group and then... That's what I'm hearing from people. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think I'm in my group and then I'm like, not. And then I think I'm somewhere else and then I'm not. And then I'm like, how do I get back to... And I feel like I'm missing things. It's, it's just very confusing. Yes. Tools are missing. I'm in a, a power admin group that's by invitation only. You have to be a, a have a certain amount of engagement in your groups, whatever, if you're an admin. And everybody there is talking about it. It's like very upsetting. Like, help. Like, apparently, comments are just going wherever. Like someone will make a comment. It won't be at the end anymore. It pops in the middle. The sequence is all wrong. And also, I mean, somebody who's in one of my groups said she posted it in the group and it went to her personal page instead. And then I was like, well, maybe you did it by accident. And then she had a screen recording of her doing it. And it was like, 
actually happening. Yes. And the other thing is like, I feel like before this, I was getting way more notifications about stuff. And now I'm not. I feel like I'm like, I mean, I know stuff is happening, but I'm clearly not hearing about it anymore. Right. Right. And like, or it'll be like, this person commented. And then I go and I'm like, what? I don't know. Like, like it's not, I don't know. It's, it's very strange. But in any case, right before this, I'm also randomly finding random things because I'm ending up in random parts of it that I don't understand. But there was this one thing and it was like Instagram. And it was like, you have this many notifications. I was like, wait, what? So I clicked on it. And then my Instagram pulled up as a feed, but like in Facebook. And it showed me all of the things I've missed in Instagram for the past like three years. Oh, wow. Like, like messages. Yeah. Like it was like, it literally went back like, and comments. I could answer though for my Instagram on Facebook. And I was like, what is happening? So that's the one good thing they need to keep and they need to pull it out and make it like its own little button somewhere that, because I have no idea I'm going to find it again. Like I have no idea how to get back to where. You don't know where, where you were. You just stumbled across it. I really did. Like wandering in the wilderness. Oh my God. I was in some like message version of like one of my things. And it was like, because I think it was connected to one of my business pages. I have literally no idea where it is. <laughs> if I find it again. <laughs> I do everything the opposite of the way you're supposed to. Like, I don't have any business pages. I had two. I had one for Jen Stevens' author and one for Delay Don't Deny, like the, the, the page instead of the group. I just deleted them. Yeah, I don't, I don't use it. You're supposed to, like, you know, you're supposed to market through them and do all this. So I don't, I'm like, no, uh, I don't use it. But I get messages to it. That's how I end up there by accident. Because I don't know how to find it, like, normally, the messages. But then randomly, I'll get notifications. And it's like, you have messages. Yeah, that's why I stopped. Because I was getting some messages there. And also, that's where people would send me really mean messages. Aww. I know, it's really sad. You know, Facebook groups, people send you mean messages. But now I don't I don't read messages from people I don't know. You know how in the Messenger app it has like an other box, message requests. I don't I don't read those for my own sanity. So if you've tried to connect with me, people, and you're sending me to my Facebook Messenger, I don't I don't read them. <sighs> because it's always questions and you know. It'll start with a simple question, like, can I have lemon? And I want to say the answer to it. And then a month later, it's like, I've only lost one pound. What do I do now? And then a month later, it's like, what should I eat? And so then, you know, it's just, it becomes like, a, it's just too much. Yeah. And so I apologize, everybody, if you've ever tried to reach me with Messenger. And I just, I don't even look at that because it's just, I, I don't have time. You know, I would be doing that. 27 hours a day if, if I did, because, you know, I don't have time to, to personally coach everybody through Messenger. And that's what the groups are for. You know, if you have a question, ask it in the group. Same. I always redirect. Don't ask me personally. Come to the group. I wish there was, I could do an auto reply. That would be the best. If I could send, not on Messenger though, but on the pages you can. I actually finally set that up before I deleted it completely. But I wish in Messenger, you could have an auto reply for people and you could set it to say what you want. And mine would say, thank you for reaching out. Unfortunately, due to the volume of messages that I get, I'm unable to see them or reply to them. Please ask your question in the group where we will all be glad to help you. Because I really want to help people. But I just can't do a one-on-one, you know, messenger thing. And it's hard because I really, you know, I, I would love to do it. And I used to. I used to answer. I would go to that box. I would answer everybody. And it just got to be too much. Yeah, I have like a preset answer that I copy and paste that redirects them to the group. So I don't even see them because they're in that hidden box. I don't even go there. The message requests, I don't look at them. Oh, Facebook. I know. (laughs) 
All right. Well, on that note, I will talk to you next week. All right. I look forward to it. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember that everything discussed on the show is not medical advice. We're not doctors. You can also check out our other podcasts, Intermittent Fasting Stories and the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.